Welcome to the Connection Point Church Podcast. We hope to be an encouragement throughout your week. New episodes are available every Sunday evening and Thursday evening. We also invite you to join us live on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We're going to get into the Word of the Lord this evening, continuing in our study on the parables. Amen. I feel like I'm forgetting something. Am I forgetting anything? Amen. If I am, raise your hand. But we're going to get into the parables tonight. We're going to continue in our study here on these kingdom truths told in story form or wrapped up in a story. And we are going to continue with the same context or the same theme that we looked at in our last teaching on the parables it was not last week. Last week we had prayer, but the week prior we looked at that parable of the unjust steward or the unjust servant. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't um, listened to that, I would just encourage you to get on to our podcast and take a listen. And in that parable, we, we, we introduced a theme, one of the main themes of the parables, and remember Jesus taught somewhere between 30 to over 100 parables. But of those many parables, depending on how you identify it, categorize it, define what a parable is, there were a few or a handful of themes. And one of those themes that Jesus continually talked about and continually taught on was a theme that we introduced on our last lesson, and that is the theme of stewardship. Everybody say Stewardship. Stewardship, and this is an important theme. This is a very important theme. This is a reoccurring theme, and this is something that Jesus talks about a lot. Now, remember, the parables are God's way of getting us to, to see things the way He does, okay? And He's telling kingdom truths, He's revealing kingdom truths and really kingdom perspectives in a way, in stories that we can kind of grasp, that we can understand, and, and He's He's telling stories that we can easily identify and relate to. And so he he's sharing with us some of his perspective, God's perspective, on, on what it means to be a steward and how stewardship relates to our spiritual reality and our relationship with God. That stewardship is a major theme in your relationship with God. And if we don't get this, this concept of stewardship, right we're going to miss a lot of things we're going to we're going to mess if we mess up the stewardship thing we're going to mess up the relationship of it with god thing the relationship with others thing we're going to mess up uh, a lot of areas of our life if we fail to grasp god's perspective on right stewardship and so just as a reminder here stewardship is a careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care and what we looked at last time is the difference between ownership and stewardship, all right? And according to God's perspective in that last parable we looked at of the unjust steward or manager is that we are not the owners. God is the owner. We're the stewards. We can't ever get this in our mind that we're the owners, that we're the source, that we're the origin, that 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 we're the reason we're successful. We're the reason we're blessed. That 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 
It all starts and ends with us. No, 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 no. We are just stewards. And it is God that gives all things. It's God that gives us life. It's God that gives us breath. It's God that gives us our health. It's God that gives us our opportunities. It's God that gives us our abilities and our talent and our resources and our time. And the reality is that God is the owner. We are the steward. And it's up to us to accept, acknowledge, and receive the blessings, the life, the resources, the opportunities, the abilities that God has entrusted to us and to rightly steward those things. And so life is really all about stewardship. Everyone say stewardship. And so when we look at this idea of stewardship, there are some there are some realities about this. And, and in order to be proper stewards, we have to look at this concept of stewardship the right way. And that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to try to get a right perspective of what it means to be a right steward. And so let's take a look at Matthew chapter 25. And we're going to take a look at this, this popular parable. It's a well-known parable. And it's a parable that is often referred to as the parable of the talents. Amen. And it's told in two different places in the Bible. Um, It's here in Matthew uh, chapter 25 as we're getting ready to look at. And then it is also told in the book of Luke. uh, And in Luke chapter 19, 11 through 27, we won't read that, but they're slightly different, yet they are basically sharing the same concepts regarding stewardship. And so let's take a look here at this parable of of the of the talents for the kingdom of heaven now again remember this is jesus this is god's perspective and this is what he says this is what the kingdom of heaven is like he's like a man that's traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them now let's just set the scene here remember we have to identify in all of the parables who the characters are what the context is and then what's so curious or what's unique about the story and so The kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country. I'm just going to cut to the chase and tell you that man traveling to a far country represents God. Jesus came to this earth, all right? He he established a kingdom. He appointed apostles and disciples, and he prepared a church, and he he has gone away to heaven. So he came, and now he's gone away to a far country, but he called his own servants, all right? And delivered his goods to them. Those servants represent you and me. Amen? I hope so anyway. Are you serving the Lord? Amen. So you're a servant and he's called you and guess what? Guess what? He's delivered some goods to you. Whether you realize it or not, he's he's given you some things. He's blessed you already with some things. Amen. He's blessed you with health. He's blessed you with a sound mind. He's... He's blessed you with an opportunity to, to work or to, to, to earn an income or to have a family, to raise children, to, to, know, to, to have relationships. He's given you a lot of good things already. And to one, he gave five talents, all right? Now, these talents uh, represented a, a weight of material, all right? Now, just to set the context here, I want to just read to you um, out of this book, this is this is this is this book on the parables. 
by, by Klein Snodgrass. It's called Stories with Intent. And I want to just give you an idea of what a talent was. Because in our Western reading of this, of this text, we think of talents kind of what in our contemporary language as talent is like, you know, someone is talented. Like, you know, a baseball player, is a, is a, he's, he's, a, he's a five-tool player. He's got a lot of talents. He can pitch and he can hit and he can throw and he can run. Or you might think, well, you know, Ryan has got all these talents. He can drum and he can sing and he can play and he can do all these things, talents. That's not necessarily what this talent referred to, but we can, by extension, we can certainly apply that, that idea of the abilities, the talents, the giftings that God has given us. But I want to give you an idea of what talent was in, in this first century text. All right, now let me read this. The definition we know of talent referring to human ability was derived from this parable, and even though before it was an interpreted talent in connection with, uh, with ability much earlier. The use of the word did not emerge until the 15th century. For modern readers, this meaning is at least distracting and potentially misleading. All right, He says, a talent in the ancient world was a monetary weight of approximately 60 to 90 pounds, okay? A talent represented 60 to 90 pounds of something. There was a significant variation in different times and locales, depending on the metal in question. So a talent was a weight or a measure of something of value. And it says depending on the metal or the or the or the the item in value, the value of a talent was equivalent, get this, to 6,000 days wages for a day laborer, roughly 20 years of work. And so the man given five talents was given an enormous sum. Obviously, the one talented man still had an enormous amount also. And so I want you to see this. God didn't use just breadcrumbs here to convey something to us. He, he, he was trying to convey a reality to us. This is not by chance. He didn't say one guy got, you know, a couple scraps of the end of the loaf of bread, you know, the loaf, that, the piece that you just throw away and like, you know, whenever. No, he says, you, this man gave his servants a large sum. And I think part of that is because God wants us to take inventory or to recognize how incredible His blessings are in our life. Sometimes we, we underestimate all that God has already done in our life. I mean, if you just think about all of the ways that God has blessed you, all of the things that God has done to help you and protect you, you got to just take a step back sometimes and recognize and realize just all of the enormous blessings that God has already put into your life. It's not a little bit, it's a lot. Amen. He's blessed you big. I could say like he's blessed you bigly. Amen. I think that's what the scripture is trying to convey here. All right? And so one man he's given five talents to another two talents. That's still a lot. That is still a lot. And to another one talent, just one talent alone was 20 years worth of work. Huh. That's not some insignificant thing. To each according to his own ability. Not everyone had the same ability. Not everyone was given the same opportunity. Not everyone was given the same weight and measure of 
resources or blessings, but the reality is, while that may be true, they were all given something. And that something was not insignificant. That something was not minor or small. It's like the Apostle Paul, when he was preaching in Athens, he says, in him we live, we breathe, we have our being. Just to be alive is a blessing. And then he immediately went on his journey. In other, ter- in other ways, in other words, you might say, he was resurrected. He, he went back to heaven. And then he who received the five talents went and traded with them. All right, He got busy right away. He recognized, man, I got something here. I got something in my hands. I got to do something with it. I can't just squander this. And so he, he traded. He, he went and traded with them. The, the book of Luke, and we'll look at it, says that when the master or when the, when, the, when the man went away, he said, do business with this, what I've given you. Go and do business with it. And so he was telling them, go and make transaction. Get busy. Do something. He didn't tell them what to do. He said, do something. And he received the five talents, went and traded with them and made another five talents. Amen. All right. And then likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. He got busy. He was doing something. He just, he got busy. He didn't tell him what to do. He just said, go do it. Go do it. Whatever's in your heart, go do it. Whatever I've given you ability. But get this. Here it is. But he who had received one went and dug it in the ground and hid his Lord's money. All right. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Remember, one of our principles of stewardship is accountability. And in all of these stewardship parables, there is always an element of accountability. God will always hold us accountable at some point. There's accountability in life. As a pastor, I have layers of accountability. We have layers of accountability. You should have account. There accountability. There's accountability in your life. Even if you feel like maybe I don't have accountability or you avoid accountability. I know some people, they avoid accountability. At the end of the day, God is going to hold every man accountable. All right? After a long time, the Lord settled it. And he said, who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents besides him. Look, look, at, look, at his, look at his perspective. God, look what you gave me. You gave me. Look at that. Is that what he said? You delivered to me. You see that he's recognizing already, God, you've given me some, you've given me some things. And so I, I gained five more. I realize there's a responsibility to what you've done for me, what you've given me, what you've imparted into my life. Verse 21. He says, His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. All right? He who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two more talents. Look, Lord, you gave me some things. You blessed me. And so I went out and I got busy. I did something with it. I put it to work. I put it to use. And I, I was able to gain two more talents. And the Lord said, well done, you good and you faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter now into the joy of the Lord. But look at this. But then he who had received the one talent came and said. Now this is where, this is where, the, whole, this is where the whole meat of this, talent, of this parable is. Right here. He's, con- he's contrasting the wise stewards with this unwise steward who 
Look at his perspective already. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered. Now, just already, I want you to notice, look at the difference in the perspective from this person and the other two. Right off the bat, before we know anything that what he did or did not do with this, with his, what he had been entrusted, we can already see a difference in his attitude. His perspective is different. His gratitude is different. His, 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 his faith is different. His perception of the man is different. I saw you were a hard man. You reap where you didn't sow. You gather where you've not scattered. All right. He's got a very negative and harsh perception and perspective. Verse 25. And I was afraid. He's fearful. He's not full of faith. He's not full of uh, just optimism. He's afraid. He's fearful. And so I went and I hid your talent in the ground. You see the difference here? Look, there you have what is yours. I'm just going to give you back what you gave me. I haven't done anything with it. I hid it. I, I, I covered it up. I hid it. I avoided it. I was afraid of it. And But guess what? Here it is. I'm going to give it back to you. But that he wasn't, the Lord wasn't pleased. And his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and you lazy servant. This is harsh. You wicked and you lazy servant. I want to just tell you right now, God is not going to be pleased with just anything and everything. There's a lot of theology and ideas out there that God is just, just He's just going to be happy with everyone no matter what, right? That's not the reality that I read in the Scripture. You wicked and you lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. And so in some respects, yeah, you're right. Your perspective in some respects is right. But you missed something, you missed something here. You have you ought to have at least deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own interest. It's interesting here that in Jewish in in, in Jewish culture it was illegal for them, it was against the law to charge interest of a, of another Jew. But they were allowed to charge interest to to the Gentiles. And so it's almost like, listen. I entrusted you to do something. At the very least, you should have, you should have just, you know, been productive in the world. You know, you should have at least gathered interest from from your dealings in the world. But now, because you haven't, you haven't done anything. At my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. And so, what does he say? So take that talent from him, and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has more will be given, and he will have abundance. All right. Now, this is a very powerful principle he took the talent from the guy who only had one and did nothing with it and gave it to the guy that had the most but from him who does not have even that which he has will be taken all right is there one more is that it and cast that unprofitable servant into the outer darkness there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth all right is there any more i think that's it right okay so there's a lot here. This is a kingdom. This is a kingdom truth. These are kingdom parables, all right? And so what I want to do, the way I want to just approach this and attack this is I really want to see, I want you to just really think about what is so curious about this is the contrast 
between the fruitful servants and the unfruitful servants. And when you really look at it and you dig down deep and you recognize the difference between taking the five talents and turning it into ten or taking the two talents and turning it into four or taking the one talent and having even that taken from you is a perspective. It's a perception. It's an outlook. It's an attitude. At the end of the day, what we're going to find here is the difference between fruitfulness and faithfulness versus a lack of fruitfulness and a lack of faithfulness really came down to an attitude and a perception. And so we're going to look at this. And it is a reality that I think is so overlooked among Christians and among believers that I think it's important that we take some time to just think about it. And it is the difference between a faith in God and a fear. Faith versus fear. In the book of Genesis, there's a story right at the very beginning that you see this concept kind of playing out. And it's the story of the Garden of Eden. And you find that in the garden, God placed before Adam two trees. He was in this garden. He had given him this great opportunity. He had given him all of these, this wonderful opportunity to cultivate this garden, to, to eat of its fruit, to, to have a job, to have purpose. He blessed him with this wife, and he would come, and he would visit with him. And he placed before him really two trees. There was a tree of life, and there was a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God said, you are not to partake of the knowledge, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we find later on that, that, that after what had happened and transpired, God punished him and said, unless they continue to take from the tree of life. So we find here there, there's this contrast between a, a tree of life and a tree of knowledge and good and evil. And the difference really is the difference between a relationship with God that comes that comes through life, through, through, through serving God, through loving God, through relationship with God, or a relationship that is based just upon a knowledge of what is just right and wrong, what is good and evil. And it lacks the relationship, it lacks the love, it lacks the faithfulness. It's the difference between <clears throat> when you look at someone who's married or a relationship and you see... You know, maybe as a young person when you're immature and you're just thinking, you know, like, man, I just, you know, just you hear some people say, like I was talking to someone the other day and they were, they were saying they were afraid to have children. And he was saying, you know, I just, I'm afraid I'm going to mess this up. I'm afraid I'm going to do that. And I'm afraid like I'm not going to be a good dad. I'm afraid all, you know, he had all these fears of the things. And it came from just his relationship with his dad that was tarnished and, and tainted, and, and so it was kind of, he was projecting that onto his life, and he, he was just kind of afraid, and, you know, I was just kind of relaying that to, you know, the reality of, like, it's like marriage, like, from an outside perspective, you could never, you could never, like, understand why a husband and a wife would sacrifice for each other, would, would do all these things for each other, would, 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 would interact with each other the way they do, unless you understand the love that they share for each other. 
And so it's same with, with, with like children, you know, I was saying like, I would hate for you to miss out on the joys of fatherhood because you have all of these fears about all the things that you may do wrong. One thing I was saying, like one of the greatest joys of being a parent is, you know, there's, there's many, but just that excitement in a child's eyes when you introduce like a new experience to them when they're young. It's like you take them on a vacation or you, or you show them something new or you do something fun with them. And it's like this, this, this light comes alive inside of them. And man, I, you know, no one's a perfect parent, but, but my goodness, I would, I would hate for you to miss out on those joys of parenthood because of some fear that you have about something that you may do wrong that everyone's going to end up doing wrong. And there's this dynamic in our relationship with God. Are you eating? Are you serving God? Are you eating of the tree of life that comes from relationship and love and communion? Or are you serving God out of this, this, this cognitive, just, just dynamic of right and wrong? Do this or don't do that. Is it right or wrong? Is it good or is it evil? And it's just like this, it lacks this, this relationship. And here we find in this, this dynamic playing out that are we approaching God in faith or are we approaching God in fear? And we're going to look at this, all right? Because stewardship is going to hinge on one or the other. All right, now let's get into this. I want to just say that when we approach stewardship, we have to, we have to just understand that there are three confessions to stewardship that I think are vital to make sure that we are going to, that we are going to accomplish all that we can accomplish with God's help in our life as stewards and recipients of God's blessing. And I'm going to just move quickly through this, all right? And I think this is important to just think about in life. Number one is, yeah, I'm a steward, but guess what? I believe that God wants to bless me. I believe that. Do you believe that? You got to believe God wants to bless me. We find this, this master or this, this Lord or whatever the scripture says, he, they, he gave them, he entrusted them with talents. He didn't just give them a little bit. He was generous with them. God wants to bless you. God wants to be generous. Even when it comes to even something as simple as, God, I don't know how to handle this situation. The Bible says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him come to God and ask who will not give it to him uh, stingy. He's going to give it to you generously or liberally. He's going to pour out his wisdom. God is not being cheap or stingy. God wants to bless you. God is for you. God wants to, 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 to help you. He, he's with you. And you're going to miss a dynamic of stewardship in your life if you fail to recognize that God wants to bless you. Look what Ephesians says. Now, I could take this in a number of contexts, but we're going to just look at it within the, the context of just a spiritual dynamic. He says, Grace to you, peace from the God and our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Uh, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He didn't say he's reserved. He's just kind of given you a couple blessings. God has made all spiritual blessings. of God has given you everything you need to make it. Just as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. God has equipped you and God has provided an opportunity for you to have everything you need to, to live an overcoming life. Someone say, God wants to bless me. He wants to bless you. He's for you. He's for the idea of blessing you. 
Moses was given a, 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 a prayer that he was to recite over the children of Israel every day, and I don't have it right here, but it was basically it was a blessing, and he was blessing their family, blessing their home, blessing them coming in, blessing them going out. God wants to bless his people. All right? 1 Corinthians 12, 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Not only does he want to bless you, he's, he's blessing everybody. Everybody in this story got a, got a talent. Everybody in this story got something. Everybody has been given a blessing. Everyone has been given blessings in your life. And before you are going to get to a place where you can recognize the blessings, you've got to realize He has blessed you, wants to bless you, is blessing you. All right, number two, the second confession of stewardship is I believe my potential gifting is different from someone else's, that just because someone else might have different blessings than me, or even perhaps in some respects, in some areas of life, they've been blessed more than I have, that doesn't mean I'm not blessed. It's just the reality of it. That man with one talent, that was 20 years worth of an average person's income. That's not a small thing. But the truth is, is that not everyone has, life is not, it's just not everyone has the same gifts and the same talents. I can't get on the piano and, and hit the keys like, like JC can. I cannot make, what are those things called that you made? Empanadas? I can't make empanadas like Anna. I preach Sunday. We all have song in our soul and in our spirit. But some of you don't want to hear me sing and let my song out, right? I don't have it like that. Some of you do. I don't. I wish I did. But nevertheless, you've got something. You've got not just a little something. You've got a lot of something. Look at Matthew 25. We'll just look at this. It says this. They were given some five, some two, some one. What difference does it make? We were all given something. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who had called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, two talents, another one talent, according to his own ability, and immediately they went on a journey. All right? Just because someone else has something that you don't have, that doesn't mean, number one, you're not blessed, and number two, doesn't mean that you don't have something that they don't have. All right? And so here's the reality. Here's what Paul said. Do not compare yourself amongst yourselves. For it's not wise. But they're measuring themselves by themselves and comparing among themselves among themselves is not a wise thing to do. There was a, there was a person uh, that I knew in, in Bible college. And man, he was the most talented back when like just being a really good preacher was like all that mattered in Bible college. Right. And, uh, and man, he had all the talent he could preach and all these things. And I remember just feeling so envious, you know, I grew up in a home, not around preachers and, you know, this is just a silly example, but it is an example. You could have your own examples, but you know, I didn't grow up in a preacher's home. I didn't know preachers. I didn't know how preachers work and act and talk and relate. And so I just, and there was this one guy, he had all the gifts and the talents and the abilities. And long story short, you know, there was just, you know, things in, in his life that ended up 
not contributing to his long-term success. I'll just leave it to that. But the reality is, 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 you know, you can't take someone at, at surface value or face value, or you can't just, you can't just look at just kind of what the, you know, the, the shallow things are about a person and think, well, I'm envious of that, or I'm jealous of that. You have no idea about the whole story. And you just need to quit worrying so much about what they're doing and what God did in their life and start worrying about yourself and thinking about the things that God's given you and the things that God's blessed you with. And I'm telling you, you're going to feel a lot more appreciative because the reality is, is that those who compare and compete, though that quote up there, will live, always live in defeat. If all you're doing is comparing and competing with one another, you're going to constantly live in defeat. But if you will take a, rec- a minute to recognize and realize, man, God has blessed me. God has helped me. God has given me some things. I'm going to do something great. I'm going to tell you, it's going to change your whole perspective. Number three. I believe that God has empowered me to improve my situation, whatever it may be currently. This is a big reality and lesson and principle of this text. Not only did God give them something, but God created an opportunity for them to improve on it. Isn't that good news? So even if someone did have more than you, whatever He's given you right now, you have the opportunity and the blessing and the empowerment from God to go out and to make the most of it and improve upon it. Wherever you are in life, the blessings that God has given you were not meant to just stay stale and to stay stagnant, but with those blessings came the opportunity and the empowerment, the potential to go out and to do something with them. God has empowered you to improve your situation. Isn't that exciting? Isn't that hopeful? Isn't that helpful? Isn't that empowering? God's not against you. God is not working against you. God has given you. God has empowered you. God has blessed you. God has given you an open door. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ Jesus, which strengthens me. In other words, there are three confessions of faith that you got to just, just as a, just a foundational belief have got to go into life and, and, and faith and serving God and stewardship wherever you are in life with the belief that God has given me some good things. I might not have what other people have, but what I do have is good and it's helpful and it's hopeful. And even if I don't like exactly where I am now, God has not only given me some things now, but he's given me the opportunity to improve upon the things that he's given me. Amen. And so that's all good news, right? So there's also some realities of stewardship. Here it is. This is it. I want to tell you right now, this is this is where we can get off the tracks. Is that although he has blessed me and although I can improve my situation and although what someone else is doing doesn't affect me, the reality is is that my outlook will affect my actions. The guy that had five went out and got five more because he had a positive outlook. And I'm not preaching just positive thinking. I'm preaching the Bible right now. But he went out and he recognized, man, God's given, this guy's given me five. I'm going to go out and I'm going to do something with it. The other guy's like, man, God's given me two. I'm going to go out and do something with it. But the other guy, he said, man, I got one. 
And man, that's scary. And I don't really want that responsibility. And really, God's not all that nice anyway. And he's not generous. He's really stingy. And I'd rather just not have anything to do with it at all. And he buried his talent in the ground. And the reality is, is his outlook, his perception, and his perspective on the blessings and the opportunity that were entrusted to him as a steward ultimately affected what he did with it. And I want to tell you, this is really the core principle of this entire parable, and that is our perception is going to impact our lives in such a powerful and a profound way. Do you believe God is with you? Do you believe you have an open door? Do you believe you can go out and make a difference? Do you believe you can turn one talent into two talents or two talents into four talents or five talents into ten talents? Do you believe you can go out and make a difference in the world? Do you believe that the world is bendable and you can do something with the opportunities that God has given you? Or are you just going to hide your talent in the ground? Your perspective, your outlook, your faith, your perception is going to impact your actions. Matthew 25, 22 through 27. <clears throat> Lord, you delivered me these two talents. Look, I've gained two more, all right? But look what the other guy said. He said, well done, good and faithful servant, all right? He had the same opportunity. God was pleased with that guy. But then this other guy, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man. Look at this. God, you're just hard. Life is hard. Man, it's just like some people, it's just like, man, you just... You just want to shake them sometimes. Get, just cheer up. Like you just can see it coming. It's just like, you know, woe is me. I might as well eat worms. Everyone's against me. Everyone, no one likes me. No one's for me. No one, no one helps me. No one, you know, it's just like it's an attitude thing. It doesn't matter if you got one talent or two talents or five talents. None of that matters if your attitude isn't right. None of that matters if your perspective isn't right. None of that, none of that matters if your outlook and your faith isn't right. He said, man, you're hard, and I was afraid. You see this? This is more about the person than it is the talent. You know, they, they did a study, and I've preached about this, but some of the most successful business people are, or, or, or just professionals are people who started with nothing. And they realize, I don't want to stay like this. And so they worked hard and they, and they worked extra hours and they figured it out and they scratched and they clawed and they dug and they did what they could and they took nothing and they turned it into something. They say some of the they said the majority of art students have some sort of uh, visual stigma. A lot of them, be, but they have learned to just be keenly aware. They're aware of their of their of their. I don't want to use the word disability, but their 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 inabilities. But they they have learned to become keenly aware to the aesthetic world around them, and as a result, they come to appreciate the aesthetic world. And for some reason, there's this connection between just visual disabilities and, 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 the, and the art or sound or whatever. And it's because just, just sometimes our, our setbacks can be the very thing that motivate us to, to get ahead. And it's not really about the talent or the number of talents. 
It's about your, persp- your perspective and your perception. Look, God, you were hard, and I was afraid, and so I hid your town in the ground, and look, here's what is yours. I'm just going to give you back what's yours. Verse 26, but this Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and you lazy servant. You have excuses, man. You knew I reap where I have. Your, your theology was right. Yeah, your theology was, was dead on. But your faith was, was, was all wrong. Your relationship with me was all wrong. And because even though your, 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 your theology was right, your faith was wrong, and you missed it. You missed the mark. Yeah, I do reap where I have not sown. Yeah, I do gather where I have not scattered seed. You are right about that, but there was something missing there. You're just eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, of right and wrong. You got the, you got the, 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 the right and wrong right, but you're missing the life. You're missing the relationship. And so you see here, the, the, the first reality of faith or of stewardship is that our outlook will, will affect our actions. And so we got to get our minds off what we don't have and what we can't do. And we need to look deep inside ourselves and we need to get some faith. We need to get some hope. We need to get some, some, some optimism. We need to get a little just courage and some strength and say, I'm going to do something with what I have. God has blessed me. God is for me. And God has empowered me to make a difference and to improve my situation. Here's the second reality of stewardship. God not only requires faithfulness, but he requires fruitfulness. I heard someone say this recently, and it hit me hard. Because the reality is sometimes we can use faithfulness as an excuse to not be fruitful. What Jesus said in John. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. But, but, this is my, but by this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit. God wants you, God intends you, God designed for you to bear fruit. That's how He gets the glory. That's how His profits, His profit margin increases. That's how the kingdom expands. Yeah, he's going to look at you and say, well done, thou, thou good and faithful servant. It's faithfulness to be certain, but he's requiring some goodness, some fruitfulness. He wants you to produce something, to do something, to, to utilize the gifts, the talents, the time, the treasure, the opportunities that you've been given. He's entrusted you with some things, and God wants you to be more than just faithful. He wants you to be fruitful with it. I can't go to my job and say, listen... I clocked in and I clocked out. I showed up. I opened my computer today. I answered my phone. I sat at my desk. No, that's not good enough. (laughs) You got to sell some things, man. You got to be fruitful. In some respects, God's saying more than just faithfulness, there's an element of fruitfulness. Number three, God will reward diligence and he will punish indifference. That's the accountability. God is ultimately going to hold us accountable, but here's the good news. It's back to that. Are you focused on the reward or are you focused on the punishment? God's given you an opportunity to be rewarded greatly. You just got to have some diligence. You got to have some faith. You got to have just some, you got to just 
as Luke says, you gotta, you got to do business. Look what Hebrews 11 says. And we'll close with this. But without faith, this is really what it's all about tonight. Faith. Everyone say faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. Everyone say a rewarder. It's not enough just to know that he is. That he is God. That he has all power. That he has all authority. Yeah, God has. That's good that your theology is right. But you've got to have some faith that he's going to reward me. He's going to bless me. He's for me. He's empowered me. He's going to give me some, 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 some provision along the way. He's going to help me along the way. And it's like, Peter, even if you step out of the boat and on your way of walking the water, you get your eyes off Jesus and you fall. Jesus was right there to pick him up. But, but at least Peter had the faith to step out of the boat. He's got provision when you fall short along the way, but you've got to have some faith. And if you'll have some faith, I just believe God is going to pour out some reward. He's going to bless those who will diligently seek after him. And so what I'm saying tonight is, and what I believe this parable is teaching us, is that as stewards, that we've got to have some faith in order to bear some fruit. We can't go running and hiding with our tail between our legs and be fearful and afraid and just blame God and have excuses and just, and just shun our responsibility. No, we've got to mix it up. We've got to do business. We've got to go out and make something happen. We've got to take the desires, the plans, the purposes that God has put in our heart, and we've got to step out of the boat, and we've got to make some things happen, and we've got to make some mistakes and learn some, from some mistakes, and we've got to go out and to make an impact on the kingdom of God. Amen? stewards stand with me tonight <clears throat> if God didn't believe in you he would not have entrusted you with the talents you've cleared that hurdle if you've got breath in your lungs if you've got sound mind if you're here tonight if you've got any opportunity in your life, and we all do, whatever it is, small or great, God has entrusted in you. In some respects, I mean, God's, God believes in you. God expects you to do great things. You can do it. You can make a difference. You can make an impact. You can... You can walk on water. You can see the you can you can see the miraculous. You can you can do things that you never thought you would do. You can take that talent and turn it into two. You can take those five and turn it into ten. God is for you. God is gonna bless you. God has already blessed you, and God has given you an opportunity to take where you are and to make it better. Amen. Amen. And so let's have faith. Yeah. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be in your house. I thank you for this parable tonight. God, I pray, Lord, that you would just